Hello, listeners. I'm Ray Carter. And I'm Olivia Franklin. And thanks for tuning in to Normal Conversations. With this podcast, we wanted to offer a space for a free-flowing conversation about all things to do with the Normal Festival of the Brain and its themes for this year. Those themes are knowing versus growing, power and touch. We're featuring conversations related to the festival's themes via people's stories, experiences, enlightenments, dreams, knowledge and much more. For this episode, we have a slightly longer conversation between two women. Lucy Thayne, a dancer, budding to Malta, life art practitioner, filmmaker, event producer, teacher and performer. And Catherine Hoffman, an artist who creates one-to-one performances as well as staged pieces that explore the intersection between performance art, theatre, absurdist humour and music. Listen with us to these two friends having a chat and reclaiming what their fairy tales could be. About all things gunk, a.k.a. grown-up, no kids. Enjoy. Hello. Uh, <laughs> hello, Catherine. Hello. <laughs> I'm Lucy Red Shoes, aka Lucy Fane. I am here with Catherine Hoffman. Hi. To talk, we're going to talk about gunk. What is gunk? Gunk was coined by Susanna Howard the High Priestess of Normal and Living Words. It stands for Grown Up, No Kids. I enjoyed this and it resonated. And so I shared it with Catherine. We thought it worked also. Sometimes the world around can make us feel a little gunky about this life situation. So when Susanna asked me to have a conversation for the Normal podcast, I thought it might make sense to peruse this further with Catherine. And she agreed. (laughs) I did, yeah. (laughs) Here I am in all my gunkiness. (laughs) Do you say that with pride? Like there are feelings that come forth when you say that? Yeah, I do. I I, I say it with pride. I'm I'm happy to be a gunk. And um, I never thought I was going to be. But I'm I'm happy where with where I'm at. Um, how old am I? Oh, am I going to be? I'm going to be sharing my age. Uh, <laughs> Forty-eight. Forty-eight. Um, so yeah, no kids, no husband, no cat, no dog. Um, <laughs> not even pet ants anymore. Which sounds like that's a lack, doesn't it? I'm already t- talking about it as if it's a lack, um, which it isn't. It just so happens that I have a simple life and um, that's okay. In fact, it's not simple at all. I'm, I'm doing lots of things, um, but simple in my domestic setup anyway. And I guess I never really thought that I would be that person. Um, so I remember when I was about 16, I was very clear. I had this really clear vision of like, A, I was going to be an artist. B I was going to be married by the time I was 28. (laughs) 
and see, oh, I was going to have one or two kids. And I was really like, that's, that's the way it's going to be. And of course, it was kind of like I was, I guess, following, well, not the artist, but, but following the kind of, this is what, what, this is what people do. And I was really like clear about it. And, um, and of course, none of that happened. Um, I don't have any regrets. Like, I don't feel like I had moments of going, oh my God, I really want to have children. Um, not really, no, it, it kind of, I didn't, ha I didn't have that sort of um, yearning at all. And I do remember at college, I went to an art college and I do remember really clearly in my head, like um, we would learn about these sort of avant-garde, like performance artists, women, you know, really strong, interesting, experimental women who, you know, back then for me, they, 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 they were quite intimidating. And I remember thinking, oh my God, you know, I could never, I could never be one of them. <laughs> and, um, cause they just seemed so sort of, uh, terrifying. And so I find it quite funny that I suppose I am sort of living that life. Um, which back then I always thought was quite sort of precarious and quite dangerous. And here I am living that life and um, um, I'm not terrifying at all, really. I'm just a big pussycat. But um, yeah, it's just funny how perceptions shift, don't they, um, over time. Um, and um, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, I kind of revel. Revel, 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 bevel, <laughs> revel in it, revel in my freedom. And I think I said to myself, I did want freedom because I saw my mother who had seven children, you know, from the age of 18. And she kind of gave her life, you know, she, she kind of, you know, she lost her sense of self. Her mental health declined. And I think that's probably made a huge uh, impact on on my perception of having children and and of course I think you know people having children's great and you know children are beautiful and lovely and I love I love being around kids to a certain extent but um I'm sure that's played a part in my in my decision making I've just nattered on a lot there interesting <laughs> um but yeah I suppose um I still do have these feelings of inferior. I do have, you know, if I was to be honest with myself, there is, a, there is, there is an underlying feeling of being, you know, slightly on the edge and, and not being a proper grown up. You know, the idea of not being a proper, yeah, adult and still being a child and this idea of being, you know, I, you know, is, am I being selfish? Mm. You know, am I just being too selfish living my life for myself? So I battle with that quite a lot, but um, ultimately, I know it's not true. What about you? What do you do? You have those kind yeah. of pieces in your head. I mean, I think I I don't remember having such a clear idea. I mean, although I suppose that I think there was always I always I I was like the neighbourhood babysitter for when I was about twelve. Mm. Um, that as well. <laughs> I mean unlike you I'm an only child and so like kind of I would make sure I had lots of friends and lots of relationships and I always 
really enjoyed the company of children and was asked to look after many children and there's many adults walking around now I spent a lot of time with as kids and um one of my best friends had three kids and we'd always reflect how weird it was that she'd never liked kids and I'd always loved kids it would everyone would have expected I would be the one who would go on to have them and um everything um and I mean, I didn't think about it until at all until my late twenties. And when I, I actually forgot about this when we talked about this the other day. It's like, I mean, I was um, merrily, um, in, entirely only dating women. And I mean, I was in San Francisco, and I kind of, I think I was a bit suspicious of men. And and weirdly, San Francisco kind of turned me straight because I just it was such a queer town with many queer people and women and all kinds of people in positions of power and just everywhere. Everybody was positively affected, I think, by this environment. And I think it was the first time I was around a large number of very sensitive, well-rounded, like, men. And um, I did, I started to have really broody feelings. Just, it was like a visceral desire Mm -hmm. to children and um it didn't consciously but it might have informed my transition into going out with only men um i uh, yeah and i did actually get pregnant with my, one of my first boyfriends uh from that time and uh but our relationship was pretty rubbish and so did a lot of deep thinking about how like projecting into the future how things would be for that child growing up into that relationship and and I got a vision of our teenage children standing in front of me saying why did you ever see him in mum <laughs> this was a pretty strong inspiration to get an abortion um I, it wasn't until quite a while later I realized I'd actually thought about everyone in the situation other than myself I mean all my friends at the time had been saying have it have it have it have it have it um they're like you want a child and you love him so you should have it and I was like I might love him but he's dreadful I don't think that's a really good idea Mm. um and um and it did you know it caused I think a lot of I did I kind of could imagine him growing up until he turned about 18 I, I, I get this kind of picture at various points of this person who would grow and I'd work it out and he would be actually be a he and he'd be exactly the same age that I um had imagined I mean that he would have been but uh, um I was on a hill a mountain in Bulgaria once and and this older teenage boy put his arm around me and said it's okay I'm, I'm doing great and so are you and I felt pretty good about it since really I feel and I think particularly I, I'm a bit older than you and I feel since I passed 50, I feel I, I was really terrified of turning 50. And I did, I, I think, yes, in answer finally to your question, I did share <laughs> those, you know, just that feeling that I wasn't quite right. I think there was, there was and there's a weird transition in how people deal with you. It's in your 20s and 30s, got kids. <laughs> And then I always remember bumping into like school friends in the supermarket. This would be the first thing mm. they'd say. 
and then um and then it kind of became you know are you going to have kids you better hurry up mm. then it was and then this scary moment when it was like did you want to have kids <laughs> which yeah a bit earlier than I kind of felt was appropriate why um, did you have children yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah and I think it was less of an issue when I lived in a kind of very communal situation in London Mm. there were so many kids and grown-ups and single people and people in partnerships and you know living it all around each other that I felt no stigma whatsoever and I you know also just had this multi-generational multi-everything fam like community and family almost and really close relationships with people and but moving to Folkestone I definitely became more aware of it that being single being childless was a, mo a lot more weird and I felt a bit more stigmatized. I did start thinking about witch trials a lot when I first came here. It suddenly, I, I also really felt, I felt, it reminded me a bit when I'd been a, a lesbian in my 20s. I felt there was this kind of, I just felt this feeling of certain types, types of people just being, thinking I was a bit off. You know, there's something. Because, because you have no kids and you live on your own. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. it just, um, it was quite a stark contrast to the life I'd had in London mm. and in San Francisco. And so, and the, you know, I mean, many people I know in both places have had children since then, um, you know, all ty types of sexualities. It's funny though, because there are actually quite a lot of us in Folkestone, aren't there, that, you know, very, I, I get the feeling that, you know, there's quite a few interesting women who are all childless and single uh, it's not like there's not it's not like there's like a desert of it's like there's quite a few of us all sort of like being down here living by the sea living interesting lives as solo solo people yeah it's weird because there's probably more in a way proportionately than there were in my old life but... yeah right <laughs> yeah i think yeah yeah, there's, there's quite a few. And I wonder if that's also, I, I also, I just wonder also if there are just a lot of women <laughs> being quite dissatisfied with their relationships and the general sort of nuclear family setup that um, have gone actually, I don't know if, I mean, like even my aunt, she, she lives on her own. She's in her sixties now. She's got no kids, no partner. She said she's quite happy with her dog. My mum lives on her own as well. My gran lives on her, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, if I think about it, there's actually quite a lot of us. I've got to say, I don't, I, I don't want to live on my own anymore. I, yeah. I was taken in by a lovely friends uh, uh, with a small, a couple with a small child, like at the, when a lockdown was first announced and, um, uh, it reminded me how much I love living with people. And I mean, yeah. it's, she actually, she was saying last week, she's finding it a bit irritating that people keep saying how wonderful she is and this great sacrifice as if I'm this terrible burden. Oh dear, and, that's, that's horrible. And I think this, and she, and it was, you know, good to hear her, you know, because it's actually, as far as I can tell and what they reflect to me, it adds something to their family 
that there's yeah. the perspective, other dynamic happening. I have great relationships with all three of them. And obviously yeah. we give each other space when we need it, but it's an incredible, you know, I'm still there now. And That's interesting. Sorry to interrupt you. That It's interesting that you bring that up because this idea of pity is quite a strong thing in terms of like, I've also had periods, you know, in, in my past where I've ended up living with a couple or a family I've, and it feels a little bit like, oh, I've been taken in and that, you know, there is a little, there's a slight element of like, oh, poor, poor Kath kind of. <laughs> I don't, do you get this from the family? Because I don't get this from the family I'm saying. No, with. I know you don't get that from your, from, you. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it um, directly at all. But I think there is something there uh, in, in the bigger picture, like where there is a little bit of a kind of, oh, is she okay? Yeah, I'm aware. I'm I'm aware there is a there is a little bit of a kind of feeling of um, checking up that you know poor Kath is all right. I mean, not now, but I've definitely felt it in the past. It's very strange because I mean we've talked before about how actually if you are, I mean, there is a. I mean, I guess we're talking about three distinct things. Like there's childlessness, there's singleness, being an older woman. Yeah. See, and those things are kind of eliding in our our experience, and I suppose often go together. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it's kind of ridiculous. Imagine if every single per fertile person had children. I mean, that wouldn't really work, would it? You know, I, there it seems to me that nature has like you know designed many humans who do do sex without reproduction who yeah who are infertile who choose not to have children and I, I think and and it seems like the only story we're given is that we can um that that we can have we can like the one you had the the i'm going to get married at 20 yeah years. i'm going to have my children this is the life and I don't, and we might have had these examples of these single older women, but we didn't have a story. We didn't have, there wasn't, there wasn't a narrative. There's not a, kind no. of a single childless middle-aged Barbie, you know, that's kind of. <laughs> um, no, but um, yeah, I just wonder like way back, you know, you know, in terms of like when we were living, well, I say this, we don't know for sure, but when we were living maybe a bit more collectively, you know, the idea of just everyone like a sort of, you know, um, collective kinship kind of set up, it's a bit like all these roles probably wouldn't, wouldn't be so um, defined or, or um, separate, you know, so if you've got, I suppose it's like the idea of being an auntie, isn't it? Oh, you've got your aunties around you, they'll look after you or your grand, you know, it's like, I'm sure it was probably a, a lot more fluid um, in terms of who looks after the kids and who who is just around generally. Well, that, I mean, that describes my experience in Hackney. I mean, it was, you know, when my next door neighbour's parents went away for the first, you know, they wanted to go away, yeah. they away without their daughter, who was five or six at the time. She, I mean, she had they went away for a week and there was we were almost fighting over who got a night with Tycho. when's your night with Tycho? yeah know? and she had this whole community of adults that she mostly 
single or childless adults and a few adults with kids um, who she had very close relationships with who mm. her parents could feel utterly and she could feel utterly happy to spend time with and it was brilliant and that was you know the way we very much lived our lives in and out of each other's houses and you know she'd come running I mean she made friends with decided to be my friend and through her I yeah. her whole community which was wonderful you know <laughs> yeah I think I think you know um I guess you know it, if someone can find links like that then then that's brilliant but I guess the I just wonder what the majority everyone who's sort of filing off in these kind of like family units not everyone has those links do they they don't have necessarily that I suppose it's a little bit like the idea of giving um giving uh, focus to friendships and and you know a lot of people who go into partnerships don't put energy into the other side of life which is friends and then yeah and actually the loneliness comes from that when they're older they haven't they haven't got that support system because everything's gone into the family it's gone into the kids it's gone into the wife or the husband or whatever um and so yeah it it becomes very isolating yeah it was with me i was i because i was reading a lot about the loneliness epidemic that people keep yeah okay and there were and i just it kept striking me that a lot of the individual stories that were being cited were of people who'd become widowed and their children home and that they had not developed those resources and those connections and and tools to how you live a life Mm. beyond your own little unit and um uh and i think that's probably like we the way we live that's probably why as you point out the the irony that we live in a community that's full of has many single older women and childless older women but at least in my experience it was a more isolating than being the same in an urban context in, yeah in my specific urban context because that's yeah. very community orientated yeah and and also just the ways people you know having the ways flats and houses and studios are structured they're kind of small boxes and which is very different yeah. from having lived in a warehouse community absolutely previously a boat community yeah i want to live on a farm communally mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah great that capacity for for extending outside the the nucleus setup is really important isn't it because in a way if i think about you know i've put a lot of attention on my friendships and i feel like i've got a, a lovely web of different souls because i've spent a lot of my time living on my own so it's for me it's really important to have links so there is something about survival in that but it's beyond that isn't but it but it's beyond that in a way it is beyond just survival it's it's actually like it's the juice of life isn't it yeah it's a very very rich um i mean i think i kind of at the beginning of the day and the end of the day i kind of like notice most that i'm single mostly in bed and like yeah the rest of the day is so 
full and rich and populated, even during lockdown, the the connections I have are so strong, everyone's making sure we maintain them. And so I've actually felt conversely less lonely in this time. I mean, also people, I personally don't want to live alone uh, anymore. Yeah. I mean, if I think of my mum, you know, my mum, who had all these children, she, you know, she doesn't really, she never really put any effort into friends because she couldn't. She's too knackered. <laughs> um, so she never really properly had any like proper friends. I mean, she did have new people, but not really. And so now, when she's li- now that she's living on her own, I think it's hard because she doesn't have that. She doesn't have that friendship base. Actually, I was talking to my mum last week and she just had me. And um, so I think a single child can, you can continue your life as it was a lot yeah. easier. And she also has always had very strong friendships. She in fact said to me as a child, there's friends people and family people and we're friends people. She's very yeah. in friendship into my experience. And I was, uh, a number of her closest friends died in the last year. Mm. And I was saying it, that um, we we were talking about it at quite length. And then I was like, I was glad that she has so many friends of all ages because, yeah. you know, these friendships, I mean, the loss we're both experiencing is huge, but I don't have to worry that she's going to be completely isolated because she's always maintained friendships older and younger of all yeah. generations and and passed that on to me and I'm really grateful for that actually and because yeah lonely, I mean I do go and visit her a lot because she is in lockdown so <laughs> she is on her own sure. but that's just um um, we're having a much more stilted conversation than we had the other day, but we recorded that, so maybe a little ear and rake and edit it in. <laughs> and we, and it's really interesting that we're talking about it now because we did do a preparatory conversation the other day, and that got a lot more kind of general, social, historical, political, yes. and we're going a lot more personal this time, which is also obviously interesting and relevant. But when we mm. were, talking the other day we were we were talking about how having a place in society and you said who will organize my funeral oh yes very strong image. the systems in place that are still geared up for uh, families and still don't value single people or yeah um yeah so i did i did ask that question um in terms of well basically because my grandmother did have her funeral last week and I was very struck that I was the only single person in my family there (laughs) and um I did start to think oh god you know if I if I die well I will die there's no if about it I won't have any children to organize it (laughs) who's gonna do that and I immediately got an impression in my mind of all the humongous hordes of friends <laughs> would be piling in to celebrate you. <laughs> it's all very well, but who's the one that's actually going to organise, you know, 
where I'm going to get buried, blah, blah. You know, it's quite, it's quite a, it's quite a um, commitment to do that in terms of, you know, it's no big, it's, it's not a small task. It's a big task for someone to do, you know, go through all your stuff, decide who's going to have what, who, if it's going to go to the charity shop, you know, that's, it's all a lot of things to organize. Yeah, we better start writing our wills now. <laughs> I'm going to be requesting my Viking ship. <laughs> yeah. possessions burning on the pyre as I yeah. sail out to sea. Freaking um, yeah. lootly. And <laughs> I, think, I think thinking about your funeral actually inspired my story. Because we were talking about how there, there wasn't very good models, like the models in society of the mm. older, childless female. It, it brings us quite quickly to the women. <laughs> and the crow yeah. and the spinster and all these kind of slightly hard to identify with so i don't know which i think has more delight yeah but it's it it, it, it you can reclaim it but it it's not uh it's always got a kind of a sad scary or you know dark, like, dark kind of connotation and yeah and there's no real happy endings in the fairy tales of the spinsters and the witches there so so we came to this conclusion we should probably try and write our own <laughs> yeah we a, did <laughs> is that a good segue a neat yeah i mean um I, I might, should i share my <laughs> yeah that's a spontaneous thought <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yes, we we did we did uh, well. Lucy, you actually you actually did give that provocation to write a fairy tale, and I did actually very because I'm a very obedient person. <laughs> I actually did write a proper fairy tale. <laughs> okay. Unlike me, but, you know. <laughs> which is good, you know, all different things. Um, yeah, I wrote one. Um, yeah, uh, basically be, uh, following on from The Witch and the Crone, just this whole idea of, um, you know, like anyone who's sort of like, again, slightly older, childless, they're usually the sort of, you know, the wicked stepmother or uh, the snow queen rather than the snow white. You know, they're the, they're the people, they're, they're the sort of, you know, this idea of being selfish or bad, you know, <laughs> defiant, improper. Um, I'm identifying with all these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, they, they seem to play the role. So anyway, I have written, I have written a, um, should, I, should I just read the, I'll just read yes, it. Yes, please. Okay, I, everyone's got to like, you know, um, sit tight. I'm sitting comfortably. Sit comfortably. Um, and I'll begin. Okay, so this is my fairy tale. <laughs> okay, and it's called The Unexpected Daughter. <clears throat> Once upon a time, there was a sad couple who cried and cried because they couldn't have a wee baba of their own. Sounds like a familiar start to a fairy tale, doesn't it? They tried and tried, but nothing came. So eventually they called upon their local fairy godmother to help. They chimed two martini glasses together three times and sure enough, the fairy godmother sparkled into view. Oh, magic one, we're so weary with grief as we really want a child, exclaimed the woman. Oh, sorry to hear that, answered the fairy godmother. Can you help us, asked the man. 
Sure, I can help you. But first, you must promise me that when you have your new child, you teach them everything about the plants and the mountains and to look after the big garden. Oh, yes, of course, of course, they explain, exclaim. Okay, the godmother replies. Go into the abandoned park at the end of the town and there you will see a small babe wrapped up near the bins. Collect it, bring it home and it's yours. Oh, can you not help us to have our own child, bleated the woman. The fairy godmother gave a wry smile and said, that will be your own child. Every child is our child. If you don't want to look after it, I can find someone else. Besides, your husband is completely infertile, so I can make no spells with seeds or bread. It's up to you. Or well, I can, of course, arrange another man the gift of his juice instead, but there is the baby already there waiting for you. Yes, yes, of course, of course, we'll gladly take the child, insisted the man, not wanting the seed of any other near his wife. And we will do what you say. Good, then off you go, replied the fairy godmother. And so they collected a blanket to take to the newly found child. And just as they were leaving, the woman asked, but wait, fairy godmother, why are you allowing us to take the child when you can have it yourself? You've got no kids, why not bring it up as your own? The fairy godmother laughs raucously. Look, my womb works just fine and I can have any man I want, but the fact is I don't want a child. I'm too busy for a start with people like you. There are godmothers all over this place and we're quite content to not have any, to be honest. Oh, okay, they replied and off they went. They collected the baby, a tiny, cold and hungry girl, and they helped her to grow, keeping the fairy godmother's promise about teaching her about the land. I mean, they had quite a bit of knowing to do of their own in order to do this, whilst she grew up to be quite an expert. The man and woman loved her dearly and couldn't wait for her to get married and give them grandchildren. They would be so beautiful. But time passed. She reached 18, 25, 35 and nothing, no grandkids. So again, they chinked their martini glasses three times and sure enough, the fairy appeared asking what the problem was. We've got no grandchildren, we're so sad. How do we make our daughter have them? Well, Mr. and Mrs., the fairy godmother said, you have a choice. I can either set up a young buck to seduce her where she will fall pregnant, but after birthing the child, she will wither and die. Or you adopt some cats and dogs instead and realize that daughters nowadays have the power to choose childlessness or not, and it's no big deal. Oh, well, we'd prefer to have a grandchild, so we'll go for the young buck option, retorted the man. We can keep our daughter in a glass co coffin in the corner of the room. It'll be as if she's still alive. <laughs> Very well then, whispered the fairy godmother with an arched eyebrow, so be it. She closed her eyes, took out a long gleaming wand, touched them on their noses and said a few weird words. No, wait, we're making a terrible mistake, the woman cried. I don't want our daughter to die. And anyway, I think I prefer to go on a long cruise to enjoy myself instead. I'm knackered. My daughter can do what she wants, and if she's happy looking after the plants, then that's fine. Oh, it's too late now. You've made your choice. You'd prefer to have your grandchildren, so I've set it all in motion, quipped the fairy godmother. Oh no, what can we do to reverse it? We're, we were being purely selfish. We'll do anything, wept the woman. Anything, asked the fairy godmother. Anything, they both pleaded. Okay, the young buck will impregnate you, missus, and you will have the child instead. What? I don't want a child now, I'm too old, cried the woman. Well, it's either that or your daughter dies, explained the fairy. 
she will have a child she really doesn't want and will finish her off or you have a child you don't really want as a sacrifice either way you're going to be left looking after the baby anyway okay i'll have the child and mister will look after it won't you the woman resigns oh uh yeah he sheepishly replied i've got a bit of energy left in me okay very well your daughter will be saved and a young buck will visit you tonight so be prepared you will conceive that night after a long session and your belly will grow and grow. Both the man and woman's eyes were popping out of their terrified 65-year-old faces, but they nodded in compliant agreement. Oh God, they both mutter. The fairy godmother laughs loudly and mischievously. Ha ha ha, your faces. Don't worry, I was only joking. I don't want there to be any unwanted children in the world. Your daughter doesn't want to have a child any more than you in your winter years. At least you saw the error of your selfish ways. She will live as the garden godmother, just like all the other book, healing, art, scholarly, scientific, etc., etc., godmothers out there in the town. So keep cherishing your beautiful daughter each day in all of her independent, clever ways. So the man and woman, very relieved, did indeed go off and adore their miracle daughter even more and could see just how amazing she really was. I mean, why would anyone need a grandchild to distract them from all of this? What a silly folly. The end. Woo! <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Kath. Okay, Lucy, it's your turn. <laughs> I haven't come up with the idea of doing a fairy tale. I then, I then was actually, I don't know, I did have a bit of a midweek kind of, oh, I'm all alone in the world moment. Mm. I don't know if it was inspired by this or uh, just a kind of a feeling of, yeah, wanting cuddles wanting closeness mm. um, maybe because I there's a lot around me and pro close proximity and so I basically started thinking about creating a fairy tale but it was I just thought gosh to actually create the world of it you'd have to basically change the world change the society in which we live in order for it to make sense which you've clearly like put the lie to because you're clearly more imaginative than I. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I guess instead, I think I did a bit of a kind of a reimagining of, 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 re of, my, of some of my real experience in community um, and with friendship. Um, uh, but, expanding that so as if this was the life that we were indeed leading so <laughs> that is my introduction i have not given it a title so i will merely begin hooray i hope you're sitting comfortably very comfortably one two three four you can't tell me how to run my life down. You can't tell me how to be, keep my business sound. You can't tell me what I'm doing wrong when you keep driving and singing that team old funny song. The gusto with which Lucy sang beneath the shower drops was almost, but not quite, drowning out James Brown, with whom she sang along into the shower head. She felt good. 
She caressed her aging body all over in a sweet smelling gel. She could just hear the comforting bumps and giggles of her friend's excited bustle through her home, including her sister Sophie, who was dear enough to be included in this exalted number. <laughs> Mr. Brown continued his serenade as she exited the store, rubbed herself with a soft towel, and donned a fine kimono. <laughs> Within minutes of entering her bedroom, her dear friend Minhua settled her into a boudoir chair and set to work on the perfect style and decoration of her hair. Her godchild Camille led them both in breathing exercises, which soothed and integrated all of their excited nerves. An amusing counterpoint to the gleeful giggling of Lucy's fairy dance daughter, Mara Neen, who was too, too clad, as was tiny Toby, who she led in and out of every room, flinging rose petals and winding flower garlands around every banister. Keith, Trevor and Tebul brought forth a burst of exquisite kitchen smells, passing around trays of decorative sweets and nibbles before returning to their epic preparations for the evening's feast. Sophie entered, having pressed Lucy's glittering dress, exclaiming, this will be the 50th to put all others to shame. The 50th, this well-established tradition, was always spelt with capital letters and an exclamation mark. It was always a big deal among the many ritual ceremonies celebrated by this society. The 50th marked 50 years of living, loving, celebrating and contributing without a wedding or childbirth to celebrate instead. When you don't have monogamous love or children of your own to tend and nurture, there are so many other avenues for your love, care and creativity. The 50th also marked the transition to elder, a moment shared with parent friends where you were expected to just be that much more available to advise and support the younger members of your community. And everybody was just a little more aware of the likelihood of your greater wisdom and expertise. This inspired the youngers to fuller lives in preparation for their majority. The presence of elders was an inspiration and a titillation. Without the potential for pregnancy, previously fertile older women were particularly fancied for the potential of greater abandon and experience in their sexual proclivities. And more urgent sexualities of all genders sometimes softened into sensuous finesse. Love, consent, respect, and mindful eroticism were so deeply inculcated into everyone's upbringing and social environment that love between the many genders and generations could only feasibly happen in joy, pleasure, and self-caring mutual attentiveness. No one shamed those for whom sex appalled or never had taken hold. There was much else to do in a life. Bodywork, working alongside plant, tree, or animal brethren, scientific discovery, healing, creative care, and social work, building interesting approaches to reuse of waste, energy, and resources. There were still traces of the ravages of the hundreds of years preceding the early 21st century, but humankind had managed to truly make a great turning back from the almost tippy-toe brink of environmental catastrophe and began to find 
increasingly collaborative and rapturous ways to share life's abundance with all. The sun shined all day. After all, her name did mean light. Lucy emerged into her light, escorted toward her favorite tree by imaginatively dressed suitors, everybody dancing, everybody else with rose petals and cherry blossoms and all in time, but all individuals stepping and twirling to the brass band sounds of a marching band. Lucy stepped onto a heart-shaped stage, lovingly sculpted by Adam, and gave a speech of gratitude for her life thus far, and making promises for far into the future, until her death would be celebrated in similar joyous fashion as lives fulfilled always are. Friends and neighbours hollered and heckled throughout and the speech expanded with each interruption, then was taken over by their Lucy stories told in song, dance and painting. We will leave them all there, dancing their way toward hunger for the luscious treats to come. As a deep voice bellows, I feel good, da 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 you knew that I would, ba da da ba da ba da I feel nice, sugar and spice. So. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I want to be at that party. <laughs> I did love coming to the dance farm near you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah. Maybe for your first year. That's true, yeah, for my 50th. Uh, that's what I'm going to aspire to. <laughs> I'm going to have to take notes of all the heart shade, stage, brass band, yeah, <laughs> to do it all. <laughs> Improvise on the theme. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, every 50th should be like that. Yeah, big celebration. I, I mean, <clears throat> mine was very fun. But I had, it's kind of, it'd be just really nice to not have to go through all the kind of psychic mm. kind of self-questioning all the time. Yes. You know, the kind of self, the doubt, the, the yeah. you know, it just... Am I worthy? Am I valuable? Am I, is, is what I'm doing contributing? Well, it, it's, yeah, it's really interesting, that thing of contribution. I think we talked about that the other day, didn't we? Mm. It's kind of, it's almost like a contribution is seen as like, if you have a child, then you've done your job. Yeah. And I mean, in some ways, because I haven't had children, I do feel a certain amount of responsibility to make my life count. And I think in a lot of ways that feels quite positive. Yeah. But it's, um, but the reason I think I came to that story was it's not celebrated. It is celebrated by my friends and on an individual yeah. basis. But not on a societal level, it's not yeah. celebrated. No. It's, it's, it's not even, it's not even, yeah, it's, it, I think it goes back to this idea of invisibility as well. This, you know, in fact, it's invisible. It, it's, it's almost as if you don't exist to some extent. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone's missing a trick. They could learn a thing or two from us, huh? I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mila, and, and I think many, I, I think there are very, very few people, if they actually looked at their lives, whether they had children or not, but I think particularly people with children, um, where they don't see the great positive impact that 
their childless friends have on their lives. And so kind of, you know, an acknowledgement of that would be nice. I mean, Childless People Day doesn't seem to happen. You know. <laughs> That's a bit. Happy Childless Day! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, maybe it should be Happy Godmother Day. You know, <laughs> maybe there should be a Godmother Day. <laughs> All those women out there still, yeah, being godmothers. And aunties, like you and said. And aunties, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't. I don't mean godmother in the direct way. I mean, in you know, in a not in the literal way. But yeah, I uh, mean, it might be a whole other conversation because it's kind of yeah that that I I am a godparent and I find it an amazing relationship, and I'm really really grateful. Partly because she's amazing, but like um, well they're amazing. Yeah. Um. Uh. But it, yeah, but it's kind of like. And and the, it gives a status to the relationship, which um, my other friend, relationships with children or mm. or people I knew as children who are now adult doesn't have. Yeah, we have friend. I mean that then evolves into friendship. But I think there are definitely and like you know there are lots of cultures that do have roles like you know where auntie is an expandable yeah a, a, a very expandable term which isn't so much in the kind of European diasporic no. tradition, at least since they went witch burning and mm -hmm. capitalism and all that sort of <laughs> nuclear family stuff. That's opening up a whole other... Yeah, I just thought I'd just throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's that's yeah. like a five-hour podcast. We've <laughs> <laughs> already overrun the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very naughty, naughty. Oh gosh, maybe um, we should sign off then if we've got overrun. Yeah, we could definitely do an entire series though, actually. I do. Yeah, a gunk series. Yeah, maybe we should. Hey, Susanna. <laughs> this is gunk, gunk number one signing. <laughs> signing off as ever to talk to the cat. Yeah, great. That was that was um, that was good. And uh, yes, let's celebrate celebrate the gunkiness of it all. Absolutely, gunk. Well, you're an inspiration, darling. And uh, likewise, and very visible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are visible. You ca you can't. Whoever's listening can't see us. But, you, know, you don't need to see us to believe us. <laughs> in the room. What an honour it is to have an insight into these women's lives. How did the talk inform, inspire or challenge you? We'd love to hear your thoughts and reflections. You can also find links to Kath's and Lucy's work in the episode description. I think for me personally, I, I loved listening to this conversation. Um, it resonated with me as a young woman even. Um, especially with the common theme um, or subject matter throughout it, um, which is it was kind of based on you know whatever whatever stage you are at in life. 
there are those constant transitions in how people deal with you or how perceptions may shift um, over time. And personally, for me, I'm constantly thinking about time. And I think this is probably largely influenced by me being extremely self-conscious and also uh, not... And I think I think it's probably um, something that everybody experiences, especially um, in the modern age we're in, of how the boundaries um, of what's personal and what's public, um, how they're consistently blurred, especially through, you know, uh, as a maybe a, a female experience personally, um, and I got the same kind of notions from from Lucy and Kath found the parts of self-doubt quite difficult to listen to you know the questioning of am I being too selfish or I don't feel like a proper grown-up um which I think was a line that Kath said but overall I think that that was completely overpowered and rightfully so through the talk of kinship and friendship um, and where like certain relationships can extend beyond themselves to mean different things, and they can exist outside of that kind of nuclear setup, and how this is something to really cherish and something that we can actually all learn from and learn to have trust in ourselves um as individual humans and you know I think even if you don't identify as female, I think everybody who listens to this can take something away from it and feel their sense of self more and how powerful that is and how we shouldn't forget our individualism um, and selfhood you know whatever stage or whatever age whatever you are at in life you shouldn't feel guilt any sense of guilt about that um, which is easier said than done and I'm a big hypocrite about that as, as well I never listen to my own advice and the reclaiming of their own fairy tales is definitely an exercise I might try myself as well maybe before bed what about you Ray yeah uh well uh, while I was listening I wrote some very normal and lucid notes that make lots of sense um and I'm sort of trying to decode them at the moment but it was I did find it that the conversation really engaging and really touching and I'd love to listen to it again um, I guess first I want to notice how amazing it was to be to be told stories in that way during a conversation that they came with something that they'd thought of specifically to share. I feel really honoured that they brought it to the project. Um, and they were so great to listen to. And then I was really touched by a lot of the talk about like um about community about building up communities around you about being able to invest in friendships and family whether or not you're part of like a conventional a typical unit or not uh yeah it was great to listen to these two women they're really charismatic they're really interesting um and i found their conversation around like creative ambition and perception like really hitting on some stuff that was personal for me and kind of scary but hopeful and interesting because it it comes at it from a perspective they're talking about being where I am and where they are now <laughs> I guess because yeah you do recognize that we're both young people um so listening to this conversation that is largely about being older adults and not having children um 
but it had like this enormous amount of relevance both in terms of like them looking back at how they used to feel and how they used to live and also them thinking about what their lives are like now and what their concerns are now about isolation and about uh feeling selfish like you said not feeling like a proper adult which is something that is very much on my mind all the time um same yeah it was great i i just think these women are amazing and it was it was great to hear things about their lives and what their lives have been like and i do feel like in a way i'm like well you know i could never be that i could never do that it could never be me it just feels impossible but then they themselves described feeling like that about some things that they do now so that is really it's exciting to hear yeah it's exciting and 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 comforting as well mm. i think it um it it unifies us as as people we we all have these these worries and worries of how we're being perceived mm. um throughout throughout life and sometimes it's just coming together and actually chatting about it and also having a bit of a laugh about it yeah. which which I think is important and you know I was smiling throughout this conversation yeah um because things resonated with me and mm. it was more of a, it was more of a, a, a nod or a smirk um but yeah in that sense I definitely don't want to erase how fantastic it was to hear people speak so frankly about abortion and the decision to have an abortion and and having ownership of it as well mm. whether you have a comment about what you just heard an idea that sprouted from listening a conversation you'd like to hear happen or a conversation of your own to submit we'd love to hear from you get in touch at normal at livingwords.org.uk which we'll be sure to put in the episode description Shout out to the wonderful Anil Sebastian for letting us feature his music. Make sure to check out his awesome work and portfolio over at anilsebastian.com. We'll be back with our next conversation very soon. Stay tuned on social media, subscribe to Normal Conversations on your app of choice, or check the Normal Fest website to know when the next one's coming up. Thank you for listening.